It's good to be here. I always consider it a privilege and an honor to come and share with you. Um, I have often said that people don't often know how much they are in the hearts and minds of someone else. You know, a young guy falls in love with a girl. She doesn't even know it. He has her picture, and he goes to sleep thinking about her, and she doesn't even know it. <laughs> and uh, so you guys might be surprised how much I think about you all and pray for you and care about what happens here. Pray that God will bring the right people here to be with you and be part of you, raise up leaders and people that will help us as a church to grow in Jesus, to give favor. I have a great, great love for the words of Jesus when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And as I've often said, I think I've mentioned it here, that when I was a young boy, my mental picture of that was that we, the church, were in a safe place, protected from Satan, and he would be rattling the doors and cages trying to get in, but he couldn't. That was my picture as a child. It's not the picture at all. The picture is that people are in the prisons and cages and chains of the enemy, and it's the privilege of the church to open prison doors, bind up prison guards, take off chains, and when people have that, they're free to go. And they will, by the way. So one of our jobs as the people of God is to um, help bind the enemy and open the prison doors. And you do that. There's, I think there's a lot involved in that, including each one of us faithfully surrendering to Jesus so that we are in a position to appeal to our Heavenly Father on behalf of others that we take the word to people, that it's in our minds always. You know, the Bible says it very clearly, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. But a few find it. God is drawing people. He's always had a remnant of people. And around you, neighbors and people, God has those that are seekers, and it's part of our job as the church to help take authority over the enemy. You know, the deep, deep desire of my heart, something I live with every day and think about all the time. I do, some of you know, I do a regular weekly radio program called Words of Hope, and I've made it the theme of that program to... Share with people the principles that will help you love being a Christian. Now, it's a, it's a shock how many people start out with Jesus and later regret it. You know, it just isn't working. I, I wish I hadn't embarrassed myself with that public statement. Now I no longer want to serve Jesus. It's a, it's a shock how often that happens. My dream is for people to never regret the decision to follow Jesus. (laughs) You know, I want to follow Jesus to get to heaven. I mean, that that matters to me a lot. 
<laughs> it should matter to you and it should matter for how you feel about other people. But I would not choose to serve, to live any other way than surrender to Jesus for the here and now. And I'm not saying that because I wear a halo. I think I'm better than anybody else. I have just found that living for Jesus, it's fun. (laughs) It's fun. But it's also so rewarding, so fulfilling, so satisfying. And don't let the world or the devil tell you anything different. They have pleasure. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. But just remember, you reap what you sow. And by the way, some of us are old enough now to know that seasons move along quickly. Sooner than you think, you reap what you sow. And he that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap life everlasting. And you know, I don't know what you do and say and how you bring things to people to get them to where they understand these things. It's a spiritual thing. It's a God thing. It's a Holy Spirit thing in your life. But I want to take a little bit of time today to talk to you about hindrances to spiritual growth. Things that get in the way. That cause your, you know, a baby is, uh, there's an expected, people that study child development can tell you there's certain things expected at certain stages. And they get really, really worried if they're not starting to happen. You know, walking by a certain age, being able to talk by a certain age, some of those things. Now, it's not all the same for every child, but, you know, there are certain developmental processes. And I sort of feel like it ought to be, we ought to have certain spiritual expectations of people. Ten years after you're a Christian, you still shouldn't be in diapers. Childlike faith, right. But you should be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, cunning craftiness, whereby many are trying to deceive and undermine. There ought to come a time when you're a little bit grown up. Not shaken by every event that comes along and wondering, I wonder if I can make it this time through this faith crisis. So I want to talk to you about three things in particular that will get in the way of growing up spiritually. The first is what I call a temporal value system where you live for time instead of eternity. I want you to know today God created you for eternity. And if you don't know that, you're not living that way, you're going to constantly be frustrated with the things that are happening in your life. Do you realize Jesus said it's better to go through life without an arm or a leg or eye or whatever than to miss heaven? It's much better. So he'll sacrifice some pretty, some pretty special things in order to get your attention. I just think it's really, really smart as a Christian to deliberately choose surrender every day so he doesn't have to do all this discipline and correction to get my attention. Why well, beat your head against the wall to find out how good it feels to quit? Some people do that. 
I'm not sure what to tell people. I always say, by the time you're 40, for sure, you should have woke up to realize I'm not going to live forever. (laughs) And it should really happen a lot sooner than that. I don't like to be morbid about it, but the mortality rate of the human race is 100%. No one gets out of here alive in the days coming. We stand before the Lord. And, 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 I, and, and uh, please understand, I, I think Christians should have the most fun of anybody in the world. I, I mean, you should have things you enjoy. We're, we're blessed. God has given us all things to enjoy. And some of us enjoy some things too much. You know, some of you looking at me say, I've enjoyed food a little too much, maybe. <laughs> Keep it a secret. Nobody knows but you and me, but nobody else can tell. <laughs> but so many things in life that we can enjoy and should enjoy. You're not being religious and spiritual and godly when you go around with a long face. No. No. Happy in Jesus. Oh, my. There's nothing better. Keep a smile on that face. <laughs> you got another day to live. Yeah. Are there hardships? Of course there are. Difficulties? Of course yeah. there are. Trials and tribulations, of course there are. We're not trying to deny that. We're not trying to say that everything's easy peasy. But with Jesus, the heart is, as I often say to people, my bad days are better than my good days used to be. With Jesus. So be so determined today that your goal is going to be to lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Because you have an eternal perspective and you want very, very, very much to live for the eternal. And one thing I want to just say here is any of these things that we're talking about are not one and done. It's not like, oh, I got that. And it's just, you know, I don't have to ever deal with it again. You have to come back to these things quite regularly and say again, this is where I'm at. I've been distracted again, Jesus, I'm sorry. But I'm back to wanting what you want. The second thing that gets in the way of people, and sometimes even gets in the way of people coming to Jesus, is what I call moral bondage. Sin patterns in life that people are ashamed of. And they, you know, it's kind of hard to be effective salt and light in this world when you have uh, bondage to some kind of recurring sin in your life. Now, I'm not here to beat up on people because, as I often say, Jesus doesn't clean his fish before he catches them. So we're not trying to make you feel guilty today because you have a sin nature. That's for all of us. But what we are trying to say to you is that when you surrender to Jesus, he cleans you up. It's part of what he came for, not just to leave you there wallowing in all of that mess. It's for sure. So, and, and I don't know how to say this. Part of me says that I have very... Jesus was man, fully man, came to be tempted in all points like as we are so that he could be a merciful and faithful and kind 
high priest so he would know our weakness and our infirmities so we wouldn't have to cower and be ashamed because of who we are. But there is a part of me that says we need to talk to people about, come on now. You have the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve him by how you live. If you're, if you're a Christian today and you are allowing some of these sin patterns to remain, whatever it is, outbursts of anger, language, mm -hmm. pornography, immorality, bitterness, it's going to really cause you to not grow spiritually. And, and here's the thing is, I actually believe this very passionately, that, that, that the sin that comes should be what leads us into a faith in Jesus so that he can do his work, not that I try to do mine. I'm not very good at cleaning myself up. No. But he is. Amen. And so the, the, in my mind, if I have this constant sin problem that I, and I don't mean to act like I think I've got everything all together. I'm not saying that. But if there's something that just dominates my life, it needs to take me to Jesus who delivers me. One of the things that I say over and over and over and over, there's something very liberating, very freeing when I learn to surrender to Jesus. When I learn to say to him, I'm yours and I'm inviting you to come in and change me. Amen. It takes the pressure off of me. It's saying I'm inviting you to do what I can't do. I've tried and it hasn't worked, so you do it. But that's real. It's not a joke. It's not just a theory. It's not just some kind of theological statement. It's what God does for us when we invite him to do it. Now, one thing I will tell you again. I don't care how many times you fall, go back for mercy and get up again. I'm not trying to say quit because you're struggling. Because this isn't one of our options to quit. You, know, you don't try Jesus to see how he works. <laughs> you try Jesus. You take Jesus because there's no other way. There's no other hope. There's no other way in God's world that I can get the help that I need. And then the third thing that'll get you a lot of trouble spiritually is what I call root of bitterness. And a root of bitterness, by the way, is not, it's, yes, it's an inability to forgive people, but it's just that floating thing. It's, it, it's, it's, it's often my disappointment with God that's a root of bitterness. It's that thing that says, you know, if God had control of this part of my life and let that happen, I don't know if I can trust him anymore. Things that were out of your control, you had no control over, and you just, it, it eats your soul out. There are a lot of people that have that. And they really think, listen to me, they really think nothing good can come of the hurt that I've been through. It's a lie. Yes, it is a lie. It's not true. It is truly a lie. It's, it's true that there's deep hurt, and there's things that we wish we could erase from our memory. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to argue with that fact. But one of the most important things any Christian will get a hold of is that God can redeem the masses. 
Now, it is very important you choose forgiveness, too. Christianity 101 is forgiveness. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. But I will tell you this. I want you... Dear brothers and sisters, there is nothing more liberating than knowing I've been forgiven so I can forgive others. The debt is paid. I was 38 years old when God really opened my heart to that. I'll never forget. I was... was, (laughs) Through the story of Matthew 18. That's an incredible story. You can go back there over and over and over and over again. of this man that owed an unpayable debt. And the king came in to settle accounts and said, you, your wife, your kids, and all you have will be sold. You'll become my servant to satisfy this debt, which, by the way, are the terms under which you come to Jesus. You give all that you have. Amen. Which, by the way, if you understand, is pure delight. It's... it's It's wonderful to be a servant of God. I love how rich people live, and I love how I live when I'm with rich people. I love how I get to live with God because he has such an incredible wealth of love and forgiveness and grace that he's extended to me. But I realized as I was reading that story that that man... He did something really stupid. Give me more time, he said, and I'll pay you. There are some things you never pay back. And by the way, a a real source of bitterness, listen to me carefully here, is when you're trying to pay back all your life on something that you can't pay back, you need to be forgiven for. There are some things I, you can't pay back for marital unfaithfulness. There's no way you can do that. Mm-hmm. You can be forgiven. No, but you can't get rid of it. Not really. But you don't pay back, is what I'm saying. But there are people that are paying back all their life. Mm-hmm. They're trying to somehow be good enough to make up for. And maybe if they do enough, somehow, some way, they'll be accepted. And, and, and you know what's very interesting? The guy said, give me more time. And he's been forgiven. And what does he do? He goes out and finds his fellow servant and owes him lunch money and says, pay me. And the guy couldn't give me time, which was reasonable. He had no mercy. Why did he do that? He was wired in his mind still to pay back. I need something so I can look better. And there is no liberty and no freedom compared to the freedom of I am forgiven I am no longer in bad standing with the king, so I don't have to collect from you. I don't have to say anymore, if only my wife, if only my kids, if only my parents, if only, if only. Because I'm not in bad standing anymore with the king. I go free so I can let others go free. There are a lot of Christians who never learn that. Do you know that? And they're still feeling like victims. They still feel like somebody did something to me that's holding me back. And I can never be whole and healthy again. It's a lie. It's not true. If you want to grow up spiritually, you've got to find a way to believe the almighty God redeems the worst of things that can happen. If he can take the cross, which looked like a dark, dark moment in history, and turn it into that which is our greatest moment, he can take your hurt today. And turn it into good. Redeem it. In a way, when I share this, I often say 
the really big issue in all of this is, is God God or isn't he? Do you trust him or don't you? Oh, yes. Logic isn't always on the side of trust. Did you know that? Uh-uh. No. Now, I've told you guys here some of my story about questioning God through prison ministry that I was doing in Mansfield, Ohio, and I was just sure no way God's fair. How, how does God expect people born with a sin nature, abused and mistreated to get it right? There's not a good answer for that question. But I'll tell you what can help you and me is when we come to believe and be fully persuaded in our minds that God is everything he claims to be. Yes. And I don't understand things, but I don't have to. But, I, but something will happen in your life when you get to this place where you actually believe God's big enough to answer his own questions. And it's your job to just be faithful to him. You know, I remember when I was going through that, I finally just said to the Lord, you know, I'm not going to entertain all those hard questions anymore. I'll spend my life telling people about Jesus and his amazing grace and forgiveness yes. and how he can yes. restore. Yes. You can answer your own questions. Mm-hmm. Often when I go over that, I like to remind people just how amazingly awesome our God is. The Bible says we know God by the things that he made. And I've told you this here before, but I went 10 years ago, about right now, just a couple of weeks earlier, when I was going through this, I went and Googled how big is our universe, 50 billion light years. A light year is 5.7 trillion miles. You can circle the earth eight times in one second, traveling at the speed of light. If you go Google now, it says 90 billion light years. Now, I don't know whether the earth... And all that's expanding or we're just getting bigger instruments. I'm not quite sure. I kind of think it's just bigger instruments. What do you think, Tim? Yeah. How long ago? Ten years ago. It's gone from 50 billion light years to 90. 50 trillion. Anyway, I mean, I don't know what you believe about whether the earth is still uh, uh, out there, is still expanding, or we're just getting bigger instruments. I kind of think we're just getting bigger instruments. But they're saying there's as many stars in the sky as grains of sand in the oceans of the earth. That's staggering. And somewhere, some way, sometime, somehow, if you have the sense of an animal cracker, <laughs> try to translate that in another language. It doesn't work, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they look I've tried it, it doesn't work <laughs> I quit they, they look at you like, what? the interpreter doesn't know what to say to that you know. but you got it if you have the sense of an animal cracker wake up and realize I'm not big enough to contend with the almighty I'm not saying God doesn't allow us to ask some questions but part of that is my faith that I trust, that one so wise and mighty. And, and by the way, it's not just how big. We are fearfully, wonderfully made. Every now and then I, I ponder how people come to this conclusion, we've come from nothing and are going nowhere. It just doesn't make any sense. I've never yet had an atheist give me an intellectual defense for why they're atheists. 90% of our world believes there's a creator. Why? Creation demands a creator. 
life from non-life, it doesn't make sense. And they haven't answered a single question about original uncaused cause. Where did matter come from, et cetera, et cetera. And you think this body is a result of a bunch of mutations? <laughs> That's not even, that doesn't even make sense. And, and, and if you want to go a little further, start thinking about the incredible things that God has made from every plant, every flower, every... It staggers your mind. That only makes sense. <laughs> I remember a guy. I remember a guy telling me ten percent is a lot of people, and some of them are pretty smart. I said, "Yeah, they're in our universities and colleges." <laughs> but they have never made sense to me. So be careful about. Temporal values, living for time. Don't allow yourself to be entrapped by sin patterns. Go to God. Bring your life to him. Invite him. I believe he'll clean you up if you'll bring your life to him. Be careful about the root of bitterness. Be quick to forgive. And don't think that your life's been too messed up to be redeemed into God. That you're a victim. Because we serve a mighty God. What time is it? When am I supposed to be done? It is 11.44. And I should be done at 11.45. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to take a little bit of time is helpful things to grow. Things to avoid that will keep you wallowing in immaturity and being a baby in a diaper spiritually. And now some things that will really help you grow. And again, I'm not sure that I have these in priorities uh, in, in the right order, but um, the Apostle Paul, there's a, there's a story in Acts 20 where he has called the elders the, of, the, of the, there at Ephesus to come down to Miletus. He's saying goodbye. He probably won't see them again. And he says some interesting things to them. That include this little line, everything helpful I made known to you. And actually, for many years now, whenever I speak or share, and even in conversations, my dream is to share helpful things. Not clever, yes. not entertaining, yes. but that when you're done, that you can take this thing and say, if I apply this to my life, it will make a difference for me. And so I've actually, for many years, I've been collecting most helpful things spiritually for me. And, I, you know, that list grows and grows because there are so many things. But one thing in particular is a little bit of what I just talked about. Somewhere in my life, I need to come to a place of rest that God can answer his own questions, that he's big enough that I don't need to be apologetic for him. Or shame. That's very high. But another thing that I think is absolutely essential, as I look back on my life, this, my life changed when I realized, and I want you to hear this, I am really in a spiritual warfare that is not with people. Not my wife, again, not my kids, not my neighbor. Not the guy that gives me a finger when I'm driving down the road. Those are not my enemies. 
My battle is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And if you are not aware daily, daily, of who your real enemy is, you're going to be constantly in trouble with, yes. God, with God and with people. You're going to be so frustrated with people. Yes. I didn't understand this early in my Christian life. And I get so mad at people. I get mad at my own wife. Can you believe that? <laughs> None of you do that, but I did. <laughs> I tell the story. I, I often tell the story about how my wife and I were headed one time to a, um, like a marriage enrichment seminar. The night before we had gone, we were just having a delightful time together. You know how sometimes they're like that. It was just fun. I said to my wife, we ought to just take a picture of ourselves and send it in and say, here's a successful marriage. Wonderful. And the next day, we're on the way to this place and everything fell apart. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't believe this lady that had been so good to me the night before. And she, everything I did was wrong. She brought up old girlfriends I had and just, it was just, it was really ridiculous. I still, I mean, and I, I had this particular memory. We're driving down this pretty main highway and a side road, you know, guy comes and pulls right in front of me. I'm driving. And I did an amazing job to avoid a wreck, and I thought I was pretty proud of myself, and she blamed me for it. <laughs> in those moments, it always happens to be your fault. Yeah. Explain all that to me. Yeah, well, it was amazing. And in those days, I didn't, I didn't have as good a grasp. You know, now, I always tell people, it probably doesn't work to say to your, whoever you're having conflict with, husband or wife or whatever, get behind me, Satan. That's probably not the best idea, but you might be smart to realize. I often tell the story about Jesus and Peter. You know, Peter... There's this little time when Jesus is saying to his disciples, whom do men say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're Moses, <laughs> some Elijah, some one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? Uh-huh. And Peter comes back with this incredible statement. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus, yeah. Jesus is so excited about it. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter. My father in heaven. I often wonder what Peter felt at that moment. On this rock, I'll build my church. You know what happens next is that Peter, right right immediately after Jesus is saying, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be turned over to the Gentiles. I'm going to be crucified. On the third day, I'll rise again. But Peter probably didn't hear that. He's not, and, and if I'm not a Greek scholar, but it's people say he rather forcefully pulled Jesus aside and said, don't talk like that. And Jesus, who was not just given to rhetoric, said, get behind me, Satan. Because he recognized Satan was getting at him through Peter. Mm -hmm. And you are a very wise person today if you understand 
Satan uses people, but people are still not your enemy. And if you understand the weapons of your warfare, you will have a much more delightful journey growing up in Jesus. By the way, don't make it too complicated, this spiritual warfare. Don't give fear. Don't believe Satan can come and beat you up any old time. He can't. But one of the most important things anybody can ever do is understand surrender to Jesus that puts you under the protection and favor of our Heavenly Father. I have a rule for myself. Don't let a day go by without putting audible words. Jesus, I'm yours. Everything I have is yours. And I like to review why. I'm yours because you created me. So you had the right of the creator. I am yours because you've protected, defended, provided, even things I didn't know about. And I'm yours by redemption. When I was dead and lost, Jesus shed his blood for me. And I'm yours by choice. Throughout my life, I've made that choice. But this morning, it's probably almost afternoon, I make the choice again. Jesus, I'm yours and everything I have. I give you my marriage, my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren now, my future generations. I give you my health. I give you my reputation. I give you my ministry. I give you my business. I give you my time. I give you my hopes and dreams. And I invite you to order my steps. You know, I don't know how to explain it, but there's something happens when I do that. I tell people, you don't have to get married every day, but it doesn't hurt to reaffirm your love and commitment. And for me, that's just a daily thing. Jesus, I'm yours. And if you're taking notes, write that down, because I think it's just one of the best things you could ever do. And I'm going to... You don't have a clock in here, do you? I know. I, you know, this is very interesting to me, but over the years, my, my, aunts, my uncles, particularly my dad and uncles, they hated when a man preached too long. And their line was, the mind can't take in more than the seat can sit and all that. But... <laughs> I probably did. It's supposed to be. Yeah, well, that's all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you're right. More complaints over the years for quitting too quick rather than going too long. That's interesting. I, I, but I hate it when I've lost my audience and they're bored to death with what I'm saying. So. Okay, well, anyway, what was I saying? <laughs> Yeah. To renew our covenant with the Lord. Yeah. So just two more quick things that I would just say are, I think are important if you want to grow up spiritually. And one of those is that you learn to share Jesus with people. And I don't know how to, so many people say, I don't have that gift. Well, it's not one of the spiritual gifts. 
Yes, you do. If you've got Jesus, you got it. You can talk to people. You want to do this rest of the sermon for me? I think you probably could. <laughs> you know, that something happens when you begin to share Jesus, and I don't mean you have to go out and grab somebody by the neck or whatever, but something happens. I love that scripture, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Listen to this. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when you put faith in Jesus, something very mysterious happens that you're declared righteous. But when you begin to speak with your mouth, Salvation is different than being put in the presence of God and made ready for heaven. It's separation from the world. So when you begin to speak up for Jesus, you do not have to be eloquent. You, You do not have to say, I'm better than you. I found religion. That's the last thing you should say to people. But you can begin to learn how to say to people, I've given my life to Jesus and I want to live for him. And you can learn to pray for people. You know, God will put people on your heart if you'll let them, if you'll ask them. And you can start looking for people to just try somehow, some way to share the love of Jesus with people. But don't you ever be ashamed to say, don't you ever be ashamed to say, I'm a Christian. I've given my life to Jesus. Not that you're so goody-goody. That's who we are. And somehow when we articulate that, there's, it's almost in my mind, this is my picture, that God says, hey, there's somebody speaking up for me. Let's go help him. We can't let him just flounder around. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about that, but that's sort of, I think about a bit. So if you want to grow up spiritually, get creative in sharing Jesus. If you're... You have, a lot of people talk like about the fear they have. Don't, don't be a know-it-all. No. Just talk to people about Jesus. Jesus. I'm sorry? Just say Jesus. <laughs> Good questions are okay. Just what do you believe about eternity? What? Yeah. And the last thing I'll mention today, there's, a, there's other things, but I'm going to quit with this one. If you want to grow spiritually, cultivate a grateful heart. That's right. grateful heart, yes. There are so many people that look at the negatives in life. Yeah. That's right. But there is so much to be thankful for. There are so many blessings that we have. The Bible actually says if you have food and clothing, there would be content, but most of us have much, much more than that. I am a firm believer, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, that it's very important that we cultivate enjoying the things God's given us. That we don't feel guilty because we have fun. You should have good hobbies and enjoy them. You should cheer for the Ravens and hope they win today. Uh, no. No. <laughs> what? No, no. 
you don't realize you got a rivalry sitting right here with our best friends. I did see a few Ravens shirts on here this morning, but I mean, I, I'm not trying. Listen, any good thing can become an idol to you. Did you know oh, that? Oh, man, yes. And we can soon be controlled by the blessings instead of by the blesser. And I'm not suggesting that we be careless about that. But man, oh man, life is full of blessings. It is. And if you don't see them, not, not just are you blind. I'm getting a, I'm I'm really getting a lot of help this morning. I appreciate that. <laughs> but but what I will say to you is you need to have your eyes open. Yes. I'm not, I, I I no longer get delight out of just beating on people. But open your eyes, open your ears, open your hearts to begin to see incredible blessings that God has given. I don't know. It's almost like God appreciates your appreciation, isn't it? Yes. It's almost as if, you know, the, the, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt were constantly murmuring, complaining, and looking back. And if only they could go back to whatever. Our if only is, Lord, how can I be more faithful to you? <laughs> how can I do your will more fully? And, and, you know, there are mysteries. It's very hard for me to explain to people how I feel. So grateful. I'm so excited about, yes, today and tomorrow, but eternity. I don't, I don't, I don't feel a bit better than anybody, but... Having set my heart to serve Jesus and live for him, I look forward to what he has prepared and planned. I don't, I don't know how people live without that. I don't see how they do. So, again today, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for this church, those of you that are here. We pray again that God will add and that you will be tools in the hands of the Lord to be opening the prison doors and binding the guards and taking off the chains. You'll be tools in the hands of the Lord to be salt and light to your world. We're not looking for sensationalism. We're not looking for, you know what, Tim? It's possible to have a temporal value system about spiritual things. To want attention, want approval of people. But we want his approval. We want to live for that which really matters. And that's my prayer for you as a group of people today. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. A thousand times. Lord, once we were dead, now we're alive. We were without hope, but now we're full of hope. We were excluded, but now we're included. We were lost, but now we're found. We participated in the emblems this morning, remembering Jesus' death, his body, which was given, his blood, which was shed. 
And we remember today that it was love that put Jesus on the cross. And that the forgiveness that is offered, it's incredible. Our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. There's a song that says, in a sea without any bottom, without any shore. I don't know exactly how that goes, but we believe today, Lord, that there is nothing against us anymore. That which once brought us shame and regret is in your hands to redeem. I pray you'll raise up here, Lord. You're Lord of the harvest. I pray that in this group today, you'll stir hearts in a new way to be harvesters in the kingdom, to go into the world and preach the gospel, to lay up treasures in heaven, and to never regret, ever regret for a minute our decision to give all to you and become yours. Give Tim favor, Lord, as a pastor here, and as a husband, as a daddy. As a man in the community, we pray your blessing all over him. And give him peace, Lord, to rest in you and cast his cares upon you. To live in forgiveness. And to model that for this fellowship of people. And Lord, again, we pray you'll bring around those that should be here to help and bless and encourage and Keep away those that shouldn't. Send them to the other church or whatever. (laughs) Where they can find help, but anyway. And Jesus, today, we love you. We owe you everything. And let it be known again that we are yours. That we have no regrets in that. And now to him is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.